Merry Christmas. Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Are you joyful today? This year of all years, that might be a very tall order for you. We are continuing our series called A Simple Christmas. We want to take this emotionally complicated season and strip it down to something simple. Today, we're going to talk about joy. And Pastor Nicole will remind us that joy has come to this world. And we can have joy today, no matter our circumstances. Let's get started. Here's Pastor Nicole. Luke 2, 8 through 12. It says, and there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. The first week of December, we looked at the hope of Christmas. And last Sunday, we were challenged by the love of Christmas And today we are going to come face to face with the joy of Christmas. So in Luke 2, that passage I just read to you, we are introduced to a group of people who are vital to the Christmas narrative. We can't forget them. And they are the shepherds. Now, I find it very interesting that God chose to send the birth announcement about his son to shepherds. And let me tell you why. Uh, We don't even know their names. In fact, it's just this random group of people, two shepherds. We never find out what specific shepherds there are. But throughout the history of Israel, shepherding was a noble profession. Abel was the first to have this job, uh, followed by Abraham, then Isaac, then Jacob, then Moses, and of course, maybe the most famous shepherd we know, David. And God calls himself a shepherd in the scripture. He says, I am a shepherd and you are the sheep. So we are compared to sheep. That's not a compliment, okay, just for clarity. Um, And so as he's talking about that, um, however, by the time we get to the first century, when the story of Jesus' birth is taking place, shepherding had really lost its glamour. Shepherds were made of the lowest class of people uh, coming in just behind the, just ahead of the, the lepers, okay? The shepherds were not people that uh, people were wanting to hang around with. They were not famous. They were not um, attractive of group to be with. And shepherds were actually considered unclean. So because of the nature of their work, they were not even allowed to attend any type of religious services at the temple, So even if they wanted to, they weren't allowed. And they were often isolated. They were often forgotten. Um, Because their flocks needed to move around to get new grass and new water, uh, they never stayed anywhere for very long. And so they, they were like nomads. They didn't know anyone. And they were often treated with contempt and mistrust. In fact, they were always suspected of stealing from others. If something came up missing, someone would say, what shepherd has been around here? Okay, And so uh, their testimony was never allowed in court because it was so unreliable. Shepherds really had a bad reputation in first century Israel. Yet, God chose to entrust the greatest message ever sent from heaven to a bunch of shepherds. 
Why? Why would he do that? What would be the reason that God would send the birth announcement of Jesus first to a group of shepherds, smelly shepherds in a field? Well, that's what I want to answer today for you. I want, we want to analyze that together, is why the shepherds? Why were they the ones that God chose? So the first reason is because God's pattern is to work wonders for the humble. God's pattern is to work wonder, wonders for the humble. When I started thinking uh, in my mind, God, why? Why would the shepherds be the first people that you would want to know about Christ's birth? I realized this wasn't so unusual for God's track record. That God has always worked wonders for the forgotten. He's always worked wonders for the rejected. He's always worked wonders for the lonely. And from the very beginning of his time on earth, Jesus came with this message in Matthew 9, 12, when he said, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And then we watched in Jesus's life and he, he calls out and spends time with Zacchaeus and, and Levi and, and prostitutes and the demon possessed and strangers and Samaritans. And what Jesus did in his ministry, what he modeled is so consistent to what we see God doing in this moment by sending this message to shepherds. In fact, uh, Mary kind of captured it in the song that she sang in Luke 152. She says, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. And then Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26 through 29. Brothers, think of what you were when you were called. Not many of you were wise by human standards. Not many were influential. Not many were of noble birth. He chose the lowly things of the world and the despised things so that no one may boast before him. The Lord consistently comes to the lowly, to the most undeserving, to the neglected, to the marginalized, to show his power, to show his heart. Everything he did was on purpose to show that this is why he came. In fact, the shepherds help us see that God has a message for imperfect people like you and like me. And this is the message. Everyone matters to God. Everyone matters to God. Those shepherds, no one knew their name. No one knew what, what they did. They weren't famous. We don't even know their name. But he came to the shepherds first to declare, everyone matters to God, and he will do everything for us to come into relationship with him. He will bridge every gap. He will pull down every barrier, and he will come close. And that's what he's communicating, even by the very people that he chose to tell about Christ's birth first. This morning, if you're here and maybe you feel like a failure, maybe you feel forgotten, maybe you feel like an outcast, but if you do, you can identify with these shepherds and you can be assured that just like the shepherds, God's pattern will be to work wonders in your life. Just like the shepherds, you can expect God to do wonderful things in your life because that's what he does for humble people. All right, here's the second reason I think shepherds heard the first announcement of Christ's birth, and that's this, that God's pattern is to reward the faithful. God's pattern is to reward the faithful. Now, we don't know a lot about these shepherds. Like I said, we don't know their names. We don't know much about their lives, but we do know they were attentive and faithful to their assignment. 
We see in verse 8, they lived in the fields nearby. They kept watch over their flocks even at night. They were so committed to their purpose that they never left their work. Shepherds worked third shift and second shift and first shift. <laughs> they worked all the shifts. They worked 24-7 because sheep are, are kind of dumb. Like I said, not a compliment when we're called this in the scripture, okay? And they had to make sure that the sheep were doing, that they were safe, that they were doing the things that they were meant to do, that they weren't getting lost, that they weren't putting themselves in dangerous positions. In fact, it's often the case that the different flocks would come together and they would all be in one fold at night. And one shepherd would lay across the gate and make sure that no sheep got out and no predator got in. And that was how much they gave up for these sheep. So there's a well-known shepherd in the Old Testament. You probably have heard of him. His name is David. And if you remember his story, Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel. And he goes to Jesse's house. And Jesse presents seven of his sons to Samuel. And each one passes by. And Samuel says, not that one. Nope, not that one. He's handsome, but not that one. He's strong, but not him. And he goes through it all. And then Samuel says, is there anyone else here? Because are these all the sons that you have? And Jesse says, I have one more, but he's tending sheep in the field. He's the youngest. He's the least likely, not real impressive. So I didn't even really have him come in the house to meet you. And, and Samuel says, call for him. So David comes inside and immediately Samuel says, rise and anoint him. He is the one. And listen, everyone's surprised, okay? David's surprised, Jesse's surprised, Samuel is probably surprised. And they have this moment that he's anointed and it's this big day. Now, what's interesting is what happens after that. Some time passes that the scripture actually doesn't record. And the next time that we see David is in 1 Samuel 16, 19. This is what it says. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, send me your son, David, who is with the sheep. Now, if you read this quickly, you'll miss it. But listen to what is happening here. Where is David? Where is he? He's with the sheep. He had been anointed king. He, he had been uh, put this anointing on his life, this calling on his life. And he was not being fitted for armor or at king's school. He wasn't uh, on a float driving through the streets of Israel, waving at his people. Okay, David was with the sheep. Now, I can imagine David probably gets anointed and starts dreaming of all the things in the kingdom that he's going to change and all the things that he is going to do. And he's ready to go. And he's saying, pick me. I'm in. Pick me. And God says, great. Here's your first assignment. Go back to what you were doing. Go back out with that smelly sheep, you know, all the ones that don't listen to you, the ones that don't know you're the king. Go back with them and do what I've called you to do. When I read this, I thought about how, you know, when we, when we think about doing incredible, important things for God, or we think about living this anointed, spirit-filled life, we often think that that means God is going to take us out of our everyday assignment. We think that God is going to put us in some place important. He's going to maybe promote us so that we have a voice or give us a platform or give us an opportunity and, and take us out of our daily faithful things to do it and thrust us into a new environment. And so often we wait and we wait. And we know we have a gift, and we know we have a calling, but we wait, and we don't activate it because we're waiting for just the right time. We're waiting for just the right opportunity, for just the right platform, and we're waiting, and we're waiting, and we're not acting. 
And God is saying in this tiny clause in this scripture that that is not how it typically works. That he rewards the faithful. And that he wants to give you a greater anointing. He wants to give you a greater portion of his spirit, but not for someday in the future, for the activity that you are doing right now. For the activity that you're doing right now, for the assignment that you have right now. You might say to me, Pastor Nicole, my assignment is I take care of a toddler all day. And I'm going to say to you, you need a new, you need more anointing for that. Because I had three. (laughs) So I understand that. But what God is saying is, look, you don't have to wait for him to send you to whatever place you think he's sending you to. Your normal, everyday, ordinary day needs a fresh anointing, a fresh dose of power that you're living right now. And so God is sending David back out to the sheep and he's saying, listen, this is what I want you to do. I want you to tend that sheep, your everyday, normal, faithful life like a king with a new anointing, with a greater portion of the Holy Spirit. And I think this is what's happening in the field on Christmas night when the shepherds are tending their flocks, they're doing their everyday faithful job and God comes and he rewards their faithfulness by coming right to them and giving them the greatest news of all time. God didn't have to look up where they were. They were right where they were doing. They were being faithful to the job that God had asked them to do. They were being faithful to the people in their life that God had brought to them. And God came to them and said, listen, I have good news of great joy. And this is what God does for us too. You know, nothing might be changing with your assignment in the next year coming up. You might be thinking, I am so in such a rut. I'm doing the same thing. No matter how much I spin my wheels, I cannot get out of this season. But I want you to hear this morning that a new anointing can change everything. A new anointing can change everything. We need more of the power of God in our ordinary lives because God rewards the faithful. God rewards the faithful. What if God wants you to do the same old stuff with a brand new anointing? What if God wants you to wake up and go to that same job you've been going to and caring for those same people that you've been caring for, but he wants you to do it with a new awareness of his power, with a greater purpose, with a, with a clearer sense of vision for the future? What if God is saying to you, thank you for being faithful to what God has asked you to do? I know it doesn't seem like there's a lot of fruit. I know it doesn't seem like there's a lot of progress, but thank you for waking up every day and being faithful to what God is asking you to do. You know, I just, right now, I just feel like God leading in this direction. And so right now, if right where you sit, if you, if you would just say, yeah, I want a new anointing. Like I want a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit in my everyday normal life when it doesn't feel so special. I just want you to raise your hand right now. I want to pray for you. doesn't matter what people are doing next to you. Just raise your hand. Let me pray for you right now. Jesus, we want to be faithful to all that you have given us. We want our everyday lives, our coming and our going, to be full of your Holy Spirit, to be full of a new anointing. Would you give us more purpose in our workplace? Give us more purpose in our home. Give us more purpose as we parent. Give us more purpose as we grow older, God. Would you give us more purpose as we exercise, as we have conversations with friends? Lord, our everyday, normal, faithful lives, we want a greater anointing. We want more of your Holy Spirit. God, set us on fire for you. We receive it today. We want more. We want to be different. We want to be faithful to what you're asking us to do. And it's in your strong name, I pray. Amen.
Amen. All right, I'm not done. That was just like a side side rant there, okay? When the Holy Spirit tells you to do that, you just have to go and trust it. So why the shepherds? Why the shepherds? God's pattern is to work wonders for the humble. God's pattern is to reward the faithful. Here's the third thing. God's pattern is to make good on his promise. Can anyone amen that this morning? God's promise is to, God's, God's pattern is to make good on his promise. You know, it, there was no accident where Jesus was born and who was around when it happened. In Micah chapter 5, the scripture prophesies that Bethlehem would be the city where Christ was born. And I want you to watch this short video that was sent to me this week of some incredible insights into the prophetic, specifically regarding why the shepherds were the first to hear the news. This was the field of David, but much deeper than being David's stomping ground was what David set up here as the king of Israel. As David set his heart to bring the tabernacle to Jerusalem and later make preparations for the temple, he set in order this field to raise the sacrificial flock for the priests. He gave his ancestral land to be dedicated to this special flock, the most looked after field in all of Israel. You can see more of these shepherd's tower here than anywhere else in the world. But why so many towers? Because the shepherds were not raising your average sheep. If a bone was broken or any blemish at all was found, the lamb was considered unkosher for sacrifice. They had to perfectly guard these sheep. The shepherds who received the announcement from heaven were the very same ones in charge of the Passover lamb. How amazing! that it was these very shepherds that looked after Yeshua that holy night. Our Passover lamb, Yeshua the Messiah, was placed in a manger and wrapped in swaddling clothes, not just in any random site, not just to show the humble entry of the Messiah to the earth, but to foreshadow the work he was sent to do. Those words in Luke's gospel spoken to the shepherds were bursting forth with deep meaning. According to rabbinic tradition, the priest would come every high holy day from Jerusalem to Migdal Eder, the priestly tower of the flock, to inspect the lamb before the big day. They would place the lamb in a manger and after inspection, the lamb would be wrapped in swaddling cloth and brought to Jerusalem for the sacrifice. They wrapped the lamb instead of leading it along as to ensure that nothing would happen to the lamb in transit to the temple. If the lamb wriggled out of the priest's hand, that Passover would be ruined. So there was no room for chance. So Yeshua, born in the agricultural center foretold by Micah, because he was to be the lamb of God to take away the sins of the world, he was wrapped in the same swaddle and laid in the manger, looked after by the same shepherd that raised and cared for the Passover and atonement sacrifices. We can see this beautiful tapestry of prophecy fulfilled in our time, but I'm sure that in the moment, Mary and Joseph were just trying to make the best of an extremely difficult trial. They probably were struggling with doubt and fear 
but God was weaving through their trials a story of redemption and salvation of the Lamb that was slain from the creation of the world. God's pattern is to make good on his promises, and he always, always does. So the shepherds, they were the first to receive the news of Christ's birth, and that wasn't by accident. It was on purpose. But in Luke 2.10, we read what happens. The angel says to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So today it's about joy. Joy is big in the Bible. The root meaning is actually to shine or to be bright. And joy is, is related to happiness, but at the core, it's different. It's, it's a quality, it's not an emotion. In the New Testament, a, a joy is the fruit of the Spirit. It's a gift from the Holy Spirit, and it should be evident in all Christ's followers' lives. God gives joy, but that's because he is joyful. I think sometimes we have this image of God as being kind of grumpy with all the things that's going on down here. But God is full of joy. He is the source of joy, just like he's the source of love and truth and of mercy. And joy is both a description of God and what he gives. He is joyful, he is full of joy. And so he gives that to us. What brings God joy? Well, the scripture says that he rejoices in his creation. It says he especially rejoices in the salvation of, of lost people. I think God probably rejoices when he sees his children loving each other and serving each other. And I even think that maybe God rejoices at a perfectly brewed cappuccino. God is joyful. He's full of joy. And if we are God's children, then we should be too. We need to be in tune with the heart and the character of God, characterized by joy as well. The joy of the Lord should characterize our service, should characterize our worship. And this joy that we experience here will even be greater in, in heaven. We'll, we'll understand the fullness of joy when we get there. It's interesting for a Christ follower, joy actually is not an option. We're commanded to experience and express joy as Christians. I consider these verses, Matthew 5, 12, rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way, they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Romans 12, 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, mourn with, with those who mourn. And then lastly, Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. So joy, it needs to be not just an emotion we have when things are going well, but this deep down fruit of the spirit that we can ask the Holy Spirit to grow in our lives, that we can have this joy. So why did the angel describe to the shepherds that this good news is great joy? Well, it's because the good news is that Jesus Christ is born and he is our savior and we can have hope and acceptance and forgiveness that he brings. And we can live with him for eternity if we confess with our lips and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is Lord. The angel said that this news was not just for the shepherds. I love it. The shepherds are, are amazed. They're flabbergasted. They are incredible that, that, this, that God had come to tell them that this joy is happening, but it's not just for the shepherds. It says it's for all the people. Wherever it goes, the gospel transforms hearts. In Romans 1, verse 16, it says, the gospel is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. And I love verse 11. You can put your name into this verse. 
It says, today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you and he is the Messiah, the Lord. To each shepherd, to each of us, he is your savior. He is your Messiah. He is your Lord. And listen, this is good news that causes us great joy that he came for you. And the shepherds, they had this personal experience with the angel who was giving Christ's announcement. But this is where Christmas has to become intensely personal for each of us. It's not enough to just say abstractly, yeah, uh, Jesus was born in a manger or Jesus uh, came. It's not enough to say he came for someone else. He was born in a manger for someone else. It's not enough to celebrate Christmas as some culturally distant idea. You can never have a real full relationship with God until you can say that Christ came for me, he died for me, and he rose from the dead for me. He came for you. This Christmas, every time you see a picture of Jesus in a manger, remember he came to that manger for you. And then he went to that cross for you. And then he rose out of that tomb for you. Do you believe that this morning? You know, in just a few days, Christmas will be here. Families will gather around their tree to open presents. My children, are they're no longer counting the days, they're counting the hours. Okay, we're at the hour mark of when Christmas morning is gonna happen. But 2,000 years ago, God sent a gift wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And Jesus is God's Christmas gift to you. But you'll never experience real Christmas joy until you personally experience God's gift of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I wanna encourage you, I wanna, I, I wanna even challenge you this morning. The most important gift of all the gifts I've bought for my friends and family this Christmas, the most important gift I want you to know and receive today is that gift of the Lord Jesus Christ in your heart. And I just want to tell you, if you have any questions about it, if you need to just pray to accept Christ as your Savior, I'm going to be at this table right over here at the end of service. I would love to talk with you. And some other pastors will be there too. Because we believe that the best gift of all is that Jesus Christ came and it started in the manger. It all started here, what God has done for us. And that good news causes us great joy. Would you stand with me this morning? I wanna declare this truth together. Uh, we're just gonna read it together, this declaration that joy has come. So I'm gonna to count to three because the first service had some, I know you're smarter, but they had a hard time. So one, two, three, joy to the world, the Lord is come. Hey, have a wonderful week. We'll see you Thursday at two or four for Christmas Eve. Thank you for listening to the Eerie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series videos and podcasts at eeriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.